You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. So good to see all of you here this morning, and happy winter. My goodness, right? The snow has come, and I think it's here to stay, and so hope you enjoy the cold and the snowy weather. If you are new with us this morning, my name is Marco. I am the lead pastor of Radiant Church, and again, thank you so much for making Radiant a part of your weekend. I know that you could be anywhere, but you chose to worship with us, and that's a big deal, and so We're super excited that you are here. Today we are in part two of a three-week message series that we have entitled The Almighty Dollar, The Power of Money and How We Handle It. That's right. Money has power, and oftentimes we learn that it has power over us. And what we discover when we read the New Testament is Jesus actually has a lot to say when it comes to possessions, when it comes to money. He actually talks about this idea that money has uh, really, it's really tied closely to the heart. Money Money so often is tied to the human heart. Have you ever noticed that when people win the lottery, most times, not all the time, but when they win the lottery, it is not a source of blessing in their life. It's a source of ruin in their lives. And the reason this happens is because the more money we get and the more that we start to spend it and then we get stuff, it's kind of like that dopamine hit, you know what I mean? When you come home from the store and you've got all those bags, right? And you're like, whoa, look at all the stuff I bought. And it has the tendency, possessions and money, to do things in our heart that only really God should be able to do. Does that make sense? And Jesus basically says this. He says that where your treasure is, your heart will be also. In other words, that your heart automatically follows what you treasure. So just think about what you treasure because this will be a test for you that your heart automatically follows what you treasure in life. And, you know, the heart really, or money, I should say, is actually vying for the affections of our heart. And this morning, the title of my message is How to Steward What God Has Given. How to Steward What God Has Given. If that word steward is new to you, let me just quickly define it for you. The word steward means to manage someone else's finances or their property. Someone else's property or their financial affairs. There is a difference between someone who is a steward and someone who owns, okay? Because a steward doesn't actually own anything. And we're going to go into depth into what that really means for all of us here today. Because again, money is really a big deal for all of us. The reason being is because it's the one thing that we think about probably almost every single day of our lives, okay? Whether it's how much we have, how much or how little we have, or how we're trying to get just a bit more for our pockets. And so this morning, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 25, and we're going to look at one of Jesus's parables. And this parable is is known as 
the parable of the bags of gold, or it's also called the parable of the talents. Matthew chapter 25, and we're going to begin in verse number 14. We're going to go all the way through to verse 30. And we're going to pray after that, and then we'll talk about it. It's a really very relevant, I think, to all of our lives. And my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will speak to you while I am speaking. He has a tendency to do that, right? Amen, church? Let's go ahead and begin. Matthew chapter 25, if you have a Bible, the verses will also be behind me, beginning in verse number 14. This is straight from the mouth of Jesus. Here's what Jesus says. For it will be like a man. What is it? I'll describe that later. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. There's the idea of stewardship. You can see it right here. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his what, church? His ability. That's right. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded, traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with him. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Now, he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you had not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and I gather where I scatter seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the 10 talents. For to everyone who has, will, who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast that worthless servant into the outer darkness, in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What a way to end the parable. Let's take a moment and pray before we begin. 
Lord, we are so grateful to be in your house, to be in your presence. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask right now that you might speak to your people. Father, by the power of your Spirit, open um, eyes uh, that are blind to see, soften hearts that have been hardened. Father, we pray that you might unlock deaf ears. We want to see you. We want to hear you this morning. So come, Spirit of the living God, and just be manifest in your presence this morning among us. Lord, would you come and encourage those who um, are discouraged? Would you come and awaken faith for those who have no faith? Would you come and heal broken hearts this morning as well? Lord, we trust you with our lives. We trust you with everything that we have. It all belongs to you. We love you, and we just give you this time. We give you our lives truly, God, truly. So do the work that only you can do. We expect to see how you'll work this morning in our lives in this church. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen, amen. All right, well, this morning, listen, I have several points I want to go through from this parable, but the first thing that we learn when it comes to being a steward, a stewardship from the Scripture is this. Number one, everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. I don't know if you noticed this, but the servants, the money, the, the, the talents that they're dealing with here are not their own. Everything that they have has been given to them, and what they're investing is not even their own. They're not coming up with their own resources in this parable. It all belongs to the master. In fact, you could even argue that uh, the servants actually belong to the master as well, right? This is actually our reality as well. This is a picture of our reality. I don't know if you knew this, but nothing that we own, listen, actually belongs to us. Nothing that we own actually belongs to us. And I know, no, what, I know what you're thinking. Some of you are like, no, no, I, I, I'm, oh, Mr. Pastor Man, Marco, uh, uh, I, 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 I paid off the car. It is mine. Okay, okay, I get what you're thinking. Some of you are thinking, no, 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 the, the refrigerator that we got from Home Depot. Now, sure, we couldn't afford it, but we got it on credit, and we did pay it off finally. So it's ours now. Home Depot used to own it, now we own it. The side-by-side -side that we take up north, well, I put that on the MasterCard. That was all the Masters, truly, okay? It was a MasterCard, but now I paid it off. And yes, I did pay a few hundred extra dollars in interest, but you know what? It's mine now. I own it, and it's great. We get to toy around with it on the weekend. It's phenomenal, okay? Fantastic. And I know that's what you're thinking, but the reality is, is it actually doesn't belong to you. Everything, the Scripture says, Everything belongs to the Lord. The psalmist would say it like this. It's in Psalm chapter 24, verse 1. You can put that, that verse up. It says this, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So if there was ever a question, I wonder if what I, the thing that I have, I wonder if that belongs to God or if that belongs to me. Well, I think this answers it, right? It belongs to God. God. No, no, Marco, I paid for it. No, and I'm telling you right now, you're just borrowing that for a, for a limited time. For a limited time. You are a steward over that thing. Now, here's the thing. Even your 
your intellect, your abilities, and your energy that you use to go out and make money. Listen, can I just tell you that all belongs to God as well? All of it belongs to God. A lot of times we think, well, it's actually about me and my abilities and <laughs> how smart I am and the ideas are brilliant. If you would just sit with me, Pastor Marco, and listen to some of my ideas, I mean, I could show you how to turn this bad, bad boy around and we could really get some people in the church. No, listen, the ideas that you have, the strength you have to go to work, the energy, the skills, listen, it all belongs to God. All of those things belong to God. The Apostle Paul writes the same thing. Notice how he says it. Romans 11, verse 36, he says this, For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. What is Paul saying? Here's what the Apostle Paul is saying to us. Paul's saying this, God created it all, God sustains it all, and it all belongs to God, right? He made it all, he sustains it all, and it all belongs to him. Nothing is ours. Can I just tell you right now that the lung, the, the lung, the breath inside of your lungs is the Lord's as well. The children that you're raising, listen, they belong to God. Ultimately, everything you have belongs to him. We're just stewards. So God has entrusted each and every one of us sitting in this room, those who are watching on YouTube right now on Facebook, with talents, money, resources, and time. And we've been given what? The responsibility of stewarding those things to the glory of God. Now, some, have, some of us have a lot and some of us have a little, but the point is, we all have something. We all have some sort of gift, talent, skill. Um, for example, my wife, she is a very fast reader, and I am very jealous because of that. I wish I could read as fast as she could. Now, the reason why I'm jealous is because a lot of what I do is, is a lot of reading, research, you know, just to stay on top of current events. And theology is a lot of reading, and it takes a lot of time. And she just reads 300, 400 pages within like two or three days. And I'm always like, oh, how do you do that? Like, that's amazing. She's just like, I don't know. She's sitting on the couch. She's like, oh, another book done, right? And I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, I want that ability. It takes me, I'm a little slower, okay? I just process. You, you got to tell me something like three or four times before I get it just takes me time to process. Like, all the computer chips aren't in place right for me, okay? But I have them. They're there. Don't laugh too hard, okay? They're there. It just takes me time to process. And all I know is this. I have not been given the same ability to compre like for comprehension and for reading that she has. But with what I have, all I know is I'm supposed to steward it well, right? I'm supposed to steward it for the glory of God, for the kingdom of God, but all of it truly belongs to him. It all belongs to the Lord. You know what a great invention is? A great invention is not the airplane. I mean, it's cool and everything. The car, I mean, that's okay as well. The television, okay, that's decent. A great invention, though, is the sticky note. I love the sticky note. I'm a little bit of an office nerd supplies. Like, I love office supplies. Right? A couple of people out there understand me. You get me, my people, right? And so 
I love office supplies. I love sticky notes because sticky notes you can put all over your laptop, all over your screen. You can write things on there, like remind yourself of things that you'll never do probably, right? And one of the things I love to do with sticky notes, you can ask Carrie, my wife, is I love to take a good old fresh sticky note and I fold it over on the sticky side and I make it into a bookmark. I do. I make it into a bookmark and I stick it into my book. And, and if you look at my library in my office here, I've got all these books and sticky notes all inside of them, like folded in little spots that I was reading. And I love to do that. Um, I did a little research on the sticky note, so just stay with me for a moment here. And the sticky note is credited to a man named Spencer Silver. Ah, I love this guy. I want to shake his hand, right? Spencer Silver, he's a, a scientist at 3M. And in the year 1977, he introduced this idea of the sticky note. Phenomenal. Great idea. Thank you, Spencer, right? However, though, when we think about this man and we think about this great idea, this brilliant idea, we would say this, that even Spencer's ability, his intellect, his, um, his talent, listen, all of those things, can I just tell you, does not belong to Spencer. It belongs to the Lord. It all belongs to the Lord. I'm trying to shift the way that you think today from being owners to stewards. So a lot of us here, we think that we own it all. Well, I made those payments, and it's my ability. I went to work, and I got the degree, and, and I, uh, I came up with the idea. But I'm here to tell you, I want there to be a shift in your thinking. It all belongs to the Lord. Now, when it comes to uh, stewardship, here's what we've been given responsibility over. We have, God has made uh, humanity in his image, and it's really quite incredible. We have the ability to take raw materials, raw resources, and, and make something of those things. Isn't that incredible? Like, you can take, you can take wood and, and a pile of wood, and for me, I wouldn't be able to do uh, much with it, but to some people I know in sitting here in the audience today, you would be able to build something beautiful that would be useful to so many people. We have this ability. God has given us this ability to take raw material, cultivate it, work it, right, and do something with it to make something useful and beautiful out of it. This is actually what Adam and Eve were, were tasked with in the Garden of Eden. I, I don't know if you knew this, but they weren't simply given the job to just hang out, be naked, and eat fruit, right? Okay? Sounds like a great gig, but they actually were given much more responsibility than just that. You can read about it in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28, okay? Now, here's the thing. When Christ returns, because he's, he's coming back, amen, church? When Christ returns, we won't find ourselves in a garden. You know where we will be? We will be in a city. And do you know what a city is? A city is a garden realized. A city is a garden realized taking raw materials, the things that were once in the garden, creating something useful and beautiful and good and true. This was Adam and Eve's task. They were to cultivate, work the land, and essentially they were to spread Eden throughout the entire globe. Why? So that the glory of God would permeate every square inch of our planet. Now, we know how that went, right? Obviously. My whole point today is to shift your thinking. What would change in your life if you began to see yourself not as owners, but as stewards 
to everything God has given you, has allowed you to have in this life. Because I think if you begin to change your thinking, it would change so much of how you live your life. So number one, we need to remember that everything belongs to the Lord. It's all his, okay? It's all his. Number two, we've been entrusted with a lot. We've been entrusted with a lot. I want you to notice in the parable, they are given talents, five, the other one receives two, and the last person receives one talent. Now, what is a talent? Well, scholars tell us that a talent was the largest named quantity of money at that time. The scholarship also tells us that a talent was worth about 20 years of wages. That's a lot. 20 years of wages. Now think about the guy who gets the five talents. That's like 100 years of wages. That's a lot. But even the guy who only gets one talent, that's still a lot, you guys. 20 years of wages. Now, some of us, I say that because, listen, some of us in here, you're like, uh, I'm a one-talent gal. I'm a one-talent guy. I don't have much. I don't know how to do much. I'm not really good at that, and I only got a few skills. No, 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 no. Listen, here's the thing. You have something. I promise you. There's something you have, and I promise you, listen, you have a lot. We are so quick to diminish in our own minds, in our own heads, the abilities and the skills that we've been given. Well, I'm not really good at that, and, you know, I come from a, a, a very humble, you know, a family, Pastor Marco, and my, my dad just worked with his hands, and, and now I work with my hands, and granddaddy worked with his hands, and we don't got much, but no, 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 no. Listen, you have abilities. You can do things. You have skills. You have, you have a, a, a knowledge that I don't have. You can do things. Like, you can build. You can create. You, you have something. I promise you, right? You have knowledge. Every one of us has a lot. That's the point. Even 20 years is a lot. So no more of this, well, I can't really do that, and I'm not so good. Oh, you know, just me, you know, getting by through life. No, 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 no. Let's just stop that talk right now. What does the master do? Well, he gives the talents, and then what does he do? He leaves. He leaves. This is a picture of our Lord Jesus as well. He gives us the talents, and then what does he do? Well, he takes off. Did you notice that for us, God is not lurking over your shoulder? He's not like over your shoulder looking at how you're going to spend $3 in, at the drive through at Taco Bell. You don't have to go into a big, you know, prayer meeting. Lord, I'm just, I need your guidance right now. I'm tr- is it the chalupa, God, you want me to get? <laughs> Lord, I've been craving the, ba- the bacon chicken chalupa for a week. But Father, I will yield to your spirit. If you tell me the Mexican pizza, God, I'll go. I will go to the ends of the earth for the Mexican pizza. So by your spirit, no, no, you don't have to do that. All right, don't, stop. You don't have to do that. Just get the chalupa and treat yourself, okay? Just get the chalupa and treat yourself. I know it's an extra $1.17, right now an extra $5 because of inflation, but either way, listen, just get the chalupa. Listen, the master is not over your shoulder saying, hmm, what you spending there? He's not doing that. In fact, the reality of what we see in Scripture is what? Is that the master has entrusted 
things to us. He's left, and we've been given all kinds of freedom to do what we want to do with what we've been given. That is a heavy responsibility, right, church? It's a big responsibility, but I'm so grateful that God doesn't just sit over my shoulder and he's like, what you doing now? He's, but here's what we do know. The master is coming back. Now, we don't know, but he's coming back. He's going to check in with you when he comes back, by the way. So we do know that. The question is, what will we do with what we have? I want you to think of just this building, this church, all right? We bought it in 2020, and um, when we bought it, it really looked like a Catholic church, okay? <laughs> and so I knew in my heart that if we did nothing to the church, if we did not touch it at all, that many people would not want to visit Radiant Church because they would, there'd be just too much baggage with maybe a prior religious experience. We needed to make this place into something new. We needed to, to, to use, here, here's, what, here's what we did. Use the resources we had, right? Work it, work on it to make something beautiful and good and true so that as many people as possible would hear the gospel. What did that mean? What's that mean? Well, here's what we did. A lot of people use their skills like, you know, hammering and like breaking stuff, and, you know, putting things together. So we had a lot of people with skills, uh, you know, that were participating. We knew lights and lots of paint and flooring and the sound system, more lights and more electrical work and a little bit more electrical work than I thought would take. And then at the end, when we opened up to services in August of 2020, People walked in and they were like, wow. Some people who used to go to this church 20 years ago were like, whoa, this is nothing like I used to remember it as. And we were like, that's the point. That's the point. They're like, this is awesome. We love what you've done. What, 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 what did we do? We didn't sit on our resources. We didn't just sort of wait around and just said, well, you know, it's good enough. No, 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 no. God had given us a gift. And so here's what we did. We used the resources. We put them to use so that we could create something good, beautiful, and true so that the gospel would go out to as many people in Bay County and in the United States, whoever could get to YouTube could get the good news of Jesus Christ, right? That's what we did. That's what it means to steward, to use what you have. And when it comes to church world, I want to just show you quickly three types of stewards that I've seen throughout my church life. Um, number one, the squanderer. The squanderer. Who's the squanderer? The squanderer is the person who just wastes all of their money. This is like the fast food junkie, right? This is just like 7-Eleven one day, Taco Bell the next day, Starbucks the next day, and then they're blowing money on this, blowing money on that. At the end of the week, they've spent $115, and they have nothing to show for it. It's just like junk. It's just like wasting on subscriptions that they don't use anymore, right? So they have every TV like subscription that you can imagine, but they never watch any of it. Maybe once every seven months, they squander it. What do they do? They waste all their money, essentially. There's no concern. They're just like, and at the end of the day, there's just not a whole lot to show for what they have. You know what I mean? Just like, ah, you kind of wasted it all. There's also the hoarder. Seen this several times in the church. 
the hoarder, the hoarder has good intentions, right? But in, real, in reality, they just come across as a cheapskate, okay? It's like, it's all mine, right? So they won't spend anything. They won't give anything. It's like, it's not, there's not enough. We can't just hold on to it. We don't know what's going to happen, right? So they're hoarding everything and trying to save every penny and they're not generous, not generous with the church, not generous with others. They're using it on themselves, if anything. So there's some greed involved, but also there's this underlying current of fear. They're just afraid, right? So the hoarder is actually afraid. And finally, there's the, the, the faithful steward. The faithful steward. This is the person who recognizes that everything belongs to the Lord. This is the person who lives their, hand, their, their life with an open hand recognizing that it all belongs to God. And so they can save a little bit for a rainy day, but they can also give when they see a need. They're generous with their church so that the gospel can continue to move forward. They're generous above that because generosity starts after the tithe. I'll talk about that next week. And so listen, this is a faithful steward. Listen, the key here is that they're using it. They're using it. They're not marked by fear. A faithful steward is supposed to be what? Intentional with how they use their money and their resources. They're just really, really intentional with how they use their time, how they use their resources, how they use their skills and their talents. They're just really intentional. Because why? Because they remember that everything belongs to God. If we become a hoarder, what we're doing is this. We're holding it too close to our chest. We won't let it go. There's fear. If we're a squanderer, here's what it means. We're just really irresponsible, right? We're wasteful with what we have, and we're just kind of throwing it here, throwing it there, throwing it over there. We just, we don't know where it's going, actually, if you were to ask us, <laughs> because we don't keep receipts, right? We don't balance the checkbook. We check online and make sure there's something there. But when we look, there's like $7 there, and we're praying that we can make it until the next payday, right? It's kind of like the squanderer. Rather, though, the biblical view of stewardship is more like this. I've got a Bible in my hand, obviously, and I've got my, Bible, my hand underneath this. And when my hand is on it, listen, it means this. It means that I'm intentional with how I use my time, talent, resources, skills, abilities. I'm just intentional. My hand is in. I'm all in, so to speak, right? But I want you to notice that my hand is also open. And now, what does that mean? That means that I have an open heart, an open ear to the Lord. So when the Lord says, I want you to go over here with your resources, we go like this. All right, Lord, I'm in. The Lord says, I want you to go this way with your resources. All right, I'm in. The Lord says, I want you to give to this family over here who has a need. I'm in, Lord. You just tell me what to do, and I'm in, right? And even when, listen, the Lord says to us, hey, I want you to use the proceeds from the trailer that you just sold, and I want you to give it away, right? And even when you already had plans, you were like, but Lord, I kind of had a little vacation, like, in mind. Even in that, we can say, ah, all right, like, all right, like, this is what you want, so I'm in, I'm in. And we can do that because we talked about this last week, right? We don't have to worry, we don't have to view life through the lens of scarcity, why? Because we can view life through the lens of abundance. Why can we do that? Because we are connected to the source of life, the source of blessing, right? The lens of scarcity says there's only so much to go around. Get yours. You better get yours. If you don't get yours, you ain't going to get anything. 
the lens of abundance says, no, 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 it's okay. It's more than enough. So live with an open hand. This is what biblical stewardship actually looks like. It's us saying to God, God, I want to make the most out of what you've given to me. So whatever you ask of me, I'm in. The thing is, is that God always doesn't give us the five-step plan for what we should do with our resources, our money, and things of that nature. Remember, he gives us quite an incredible amount of space and freedom. We've been given this responsibility. Again, we have the job of simply saying, yes, God. Yes, Lord. Where you lead me, I will go. I'm not going to be ruled by fear. Where you lead me, I will go. If you want me to take resources this direction, I'll go this direction. If you want me to go this direction, I'll go this direction. God, it's all yours anyways. My hand is completely invested and yet my hand's open to what you want. Ecclesiastes 9.10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead, where you are going, there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. In other words, Solomon writes, listen, you're going to die someday. So with what you have right now, you better use it. You better use it. It's coming. Death is coming. It's the great equalizer, right? So we learn that we've been entrusted with a lot. Number three, here's another point I want to make. God gives according to ability, but he stewards, or sorry, but he rewards according to faithfulness. God gives according to ability, but he rewards according to what? Faithfulness. He wants you to be faithful for what you have received, that gift, that talent, that resource, that time, that opportunity. He wants you to be what? To be faithful. Listen, it doesn't take a genius to figure out that we have not all received the same gifts. We have not received the same gifts, and even if, even for some of us who share, you know, like gifts, we have not received the same level of that gift, right? There are very good builders, and there are not so good builders. There are great welders, and there are not so great welders. There are amazing artists, and there are not so amazing artists. There are phenomenal singers, and then there are those singers who don't make the team at regular church here, right? And so <laughs> we've all been given different gifts, and even in that, we've been given different levels of that gift. You know, one of the popular talking points of our culture right now is equal outcome. It's impossible. Okay, I, I, we should stop talking about it. Equal outcome is impossible. Why? Why? Because we've all we all come from different places with different opportunities, with different resources, with different gifts and talents, with different a different set of motivation, different work ethic. Listen, different outcomes or equal outcomes. It's simply impossible. Even in the same family. You can study this. Two brothers who have these same exact opportunities, well, one will end up doing something more than the other. He'll make a great deal more money than the other one. But why? Because there's just different likes and different uh, desires, and they have different abilities. Scripture teaches this, right? Everybody doesn't get the same thing. One person got five. The other person got two. And one person got one talent. Think about this. I don't have the preaching ability of Charles Spurgeon. I wish I did. 
because I've heard stories of how he used to preach in London to thousands of people every single week, and then they would publish his sermons like in the newspaper every single week because they were that good. And people were like lining up outside of the church to get in the church. This is like Charles Spurgeon, incredible. So I'm so grateful that God doesn't grade me based on my ability. But let me just tell you, he does grade me based on my faithfulness, okay? He does grade me, he grades you based on your faithfulness. Listen, I want to remind you, church, that our job, listen, is to be faithful with what God has put in our hands. I want to remind you, your job is not to run someone else's race. Your job is not to run some, someone else's race. And we get into all kinds of trouble when we start to compare ourselves to other people, don't we? Well, you know, he's got that over there. And I, if I had that, and well, you know, he's got that over there. Well, and if I had that opportunity, you need to just stop with all that. That's a waste of your time. You were not called to run someone else's race. You were called to run your race, Right? You're called to run your race. I'm not called to run Pastor Lee's race. I'm not called to run Pastor Sonny's race. I'm not them. I'm called to be faithful to this house. I'm called to be faithful with my gifts. I'm called to be faithful with the resources we have. I'm not called to run their race. When people compare them to me or vice versa, I'm just like, man, it's not my race. Hey, are we going to do what they did? Are we going to do what they did? We should do what they did. No, 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 we're not copycats over here. We are our own house. The Lord is moving uniquely and powerfully in this house. I mean, we admire it. We cheer them on, and we get great ideas from them. But let's stop comparing. Let's stop saying, well, let's do that. Let's, hey, we should do this. Hey, we do that. He did that. We should do this. He does this. You should do that too, right? Stop with the comparison trap because it's getting too many of us in trouble. I'm faithful to be I'm called to be faithful with my gifts, right? To be faithful with what I've received. Listen, and that's, that's the same for all of you. It's the same. So let, let's stop with the pity parties. Well, I'm not too good at this, and I didn't go to school. Who cares? Who cares? What have you been given? Finally, let me just say this. My fourth point, it's time to get busy, church. Time to get busy. Do you remember how verse 14 began? It began like this. And this is what it's like, or it's, it is like a man who goes on a journey. What is the it that Jesus is referring to here? Well, the it is his return. Jesus is talking about his return. If you go back to um, Matthew chapter 24, it's the Olivet Discourse, and Jesus gives all of these signs of the times of what Things will happen when he returns because we know that Jesus is coming back. And truly, listen, ever since Jesus' uh, resurrection, his ascension, we've, we are living in the end times. And Jesus prophesied in Matthew 24 that the temple in Jerusalem would be destroyed. And in the year 70 AD, the temple was destroyed by the Romans. You can just look, look that up. It's historical. Ever since that time, Technically, we've, we have been living in the end times, right? You should know this, technically. Now, is there kind of a climax of um, events in history? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So what I would say to you is this, is I think that we're living in the fourth quarter of the game, right? We're living in the fourth quarter of the game. We don't know how long that quarter is going to be, though. 
We just know that it's the fourth quarter, and eventually time is running out. And guess what? The master is coming back. He's coming back home. He's coming back to see us. He's coming back to examine the gifts that he's given to us. And so we should be, during this time, we should be busy doing our Father's work, okay? Not singing on our gifts, not throwing a big pity party because I'm not good like she is. I don't have her voice. I don't have his money. I don't have that opportunity. No, just to stop with all that. Not squandering and wasting all of the things that we have. Again, talents, time, opportunities. Not hoarding it all because we're afraid. I'm not gonna, I'm just, I just gotta, I gotta build my bomb shelter, pastor. No, just stop, okay? I get it, but I don't get it, okay? Like, I got to fill the bunker with more, you know, soups and just, okay, chill out. What we're supposed to do is supposed to be a faithful steward to what God has given us. So let me ask you a question as we conclude this morning. What has God given you? Because as I look at this room right now, I see all these incredible people. As I look at this room, you know what I look at right now? You know what I see right now? You, you, might, you might not see it, but I see it. I get to see it. It's so cool because I get to see it. I see all types of talents, and gifts, abilities, experiences, education, knowledge. I see all of that in this room, just so much of it. So I just want to ask you a question to reflect on as we get ready to close. What have you been given? What have you been given, right? What have you been given? Remember, God is not grading you based on your ability. So just get over it. Sorry, I'm being pretty blunt this morning, but he's not grading you on your ability. He is grading you on your faithfulness. Yeah. What are you doing, church? What are you doing with it? Are you just like ignoring it? Are you squandering it? Are you wasting it? Are you hoarding it? Or are you being a faithful steward of it? He's grading you on your faithfulness. Some of you are avoiding it like the plague. You're like, I just, I don't have the skills, Pastor Margaret. Stop it. Shut up already. Stop the pity party. I'm serious. I love you enough to say it. You have been given so much. Well, I only have one talent, and that's enough. That's a lot. And I don't care in whose eyes you're trying to impress. That's not what God is all about. He's about your faithfulness. I don't have the preaching abilities. I said it already of Charles Spurgeon. But what I do have, I plan to steward it. You know what that means for me? That means every Saturday night, I'm rehearsing my message. I'm practicing the way I communicate to you. Why? Because I want to get better at being a communicator of the gospel. That's stewarding the gift that I've been given. That's what it means to steward something. I'm I'm putting it to use so that God might give more. This is what we see in the parable. Five gets five more. Two gets two more. But the one who only had one, what does he do? He's afraid. He goes and buries it. He doesn't use it. He sits on his hands. The master comes back and says, this is wicked. 
This is you are wicked. You're you're lazy. What do you, what have you been what have you been doing? Right? The master is upset. And so, can I just tell you? Listen, our master, he is returning. He is returning. And can I just tell you in a very very loving way? It's time to get off your butt. Enough already with the comparison trap. Enough. I say this soberly, but I'm serious. Some of you are going to laugh. If the Lord Jesus returns tonight, for some of you, maybe just a couple of you, I don't know. For some of you, the only thing that you'll be faithful to, that he'll discover you have been faithful to, is Netflix and the 18-pack of Miller Lite. I don't mean to say that to mock you or make fun of you. I say that in soberness, that if he finds you and that's what you've been faithful to, he's not going to be happy. He's going to say, what have you been doing? Well, I just thought, you know, I just... So church, what have you been given? I want you to think about that today and tomorrow and this week. You might not think it's, a, it's much, but I promise you, it's a lot. This week, listen, I don't want you to sit on your hands. I don't want you to be lazy. I don't want you to avoid because you think it's a little bit hard. It's difficult for you. You can do hard things. That's what we tell our daughter. You can do hard things, honey. You can do hard things. I want you to steward it. Why? Because I said so? No, not really. But because the master's returning. <laughs> we don't know when. But can I just tell you, it's getting closer and closer and closer every day. And the master is going to check up on you and me. And he's going to ask you and me, what have you done with what I've given you? And I want you to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Come into the kingdom and enjoy everything the master has for you. I want that for you, church, so bad. I want that for myself. So don't sit on your gifts. Stop comparing. Throw away the pity parties and get busy. Get busy. Why? Because we need you. We need your gifts. We need your talents. The world needs your ideas. The world needs your resources. The world needs the business that you might start. The world needs you. So I want you to take the Lord has given you, cultivate it, work it, make it into something beautiful, good, true. So when he comes back, you can say, Master, here's what you gave me. Here's all I did with it. He'll say, what? That's incredible. Wow. You did all that. Oh, my gosh. I'm just I'm looking like the rock beyond the horizon. I... You did that with what I gave you? Yeah, I, I, Lord, I did. Well done. Well, and we'll be on our knees. Lord, here's, here's what I have. Here's what I did. It's all yours. I'm just giving it back, God. This, this is what I did. Right? And in that day, when you meet your Savior, your Lord, I promise you, you want to hear those words. Well done. Good faithful servant. Church, you have a responsibility. The rest is up to you. You've heard the message. The rest is up 
to you. Father, we love you and we thank you so much for this message. Father, we just, um, um, I can't help, but this is a wake-up call for some of us. For some of us this morning, I believe this is a wake-up call for us to stop playing religious games, for us to stop playing Christian church games, and for us to get in the game, to use the money we've been, we've been given, to use the talents that we have, our, t- our time, our opportunities. Lord, you said, Lord, that you wanted us to be a steward of everything we have, God. So may you find the church May you find Radiant Church specifically faithful sons and daughters in this house. Father, this church has only scratched the surface of what you wanted to do, God. The days ahead of us, God, they might be dark, but they will be great because your work will be done, will continue to go forth. Your spirit, God, will continue to move on the hearts and the lives of people in this city. And because of your people who are stewarding the gifts and the talents that you've given us, God, so many others will come to know Jesus Christ and their lives will be transformed, will be changed, God, so many more, Lord. But God, we have a responsibility. Make that responsibility heavy on our hearts this morning, Jesus. Spirit of the living God, and get us off our rear ends and get us in the game. Get us moving in action to what you've called us to do. Lord, we trust you, we love you, and we are your servants. You're not our servant. We're your servants. You're the master. You're our Lord. We worship you. You're holy. You're sovereign. You're good. So we as your servants, God, we take responsibility with the things we've been given, God. God, and we want to make the most of it. And God, when you say to go in one way, we'll go. When you tell us to go in a different way, we'll go, God. Our hands are open, God, to what you want to do. So come, Spirit of the living God, I believe this is a, a, a game changer. This is a life changer for someone sitting here, someone watching online. This is going to change someone's life today, not because of me, but because of what you have already spoken in your word. So come, Holy Spirit, and do the work only you can do. We trust you, God. We surrender our lives belong to you. To your glory, God, our lives will be lived. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. Listen, today, if you're here...